0: This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show podcast. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Duri on Pulse 95. Welcome to the Halftime
1: Show with Omar Duri. I'm your host covering everything sport, international, local, coming up on the show. Have you ever wondered what the best athletes in the world do to be on top of their game? Well, I might just be able to help you with that. My guest today, Dr. Ramsey Ross, a high performance and health science expert and strategist, has worked with several athletes, including Frank Lampard and the Ghana men's national team. He's going to break it down for us. Novak Djokovic, LeBron James, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Conor McGregor, coming up next only on Pulse 95.
0: This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show podcast. This is The Halftime Show
1: with Omar Madhuri on Welcome back to The Halftime Show. It is with great pleasure I introduce to you not just a great friend, but a great doctor who knows all about the sports science world. Dr. Ramsey Ross, head of strategy up and running, sits on the UAE National Olympic Committee, Medical and Scientific Committee, Dr. Ramsey, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Omar, for the opportunity and uh, for such a fantastic introduction. Hey, thank you very much. Very it's kind. great to have you on board. Now, now, doctor, when you think of athletes in every sport, some stand out, be it cutting edge, whether they have the right mindset or whether it's nutrition or whether it's recovery or even fuel. Well, one of the people that comes to mind, especially with all the controversy surrounding the athlete, is someone like Conor McGregor. Now, what stands out for you as a sports scientist with Conor McGregor?
2: Well, I think with every athlete, firstly, I think there's multifactorial aspects that you have to look at. It's it's about sleep, recovery, nutrition, training, and, and so on. So you have to look at it from a holistic point of view, specifically about Colin McGregor. Interesting you raise him, actually, Omar, because he's uh, he's coming off the back of, uh, of uh, I think, a period of time now where he's really visualizing how he's going to get back into the sport and compete effectively. Uh, he's a phenomenal athlete, all-rounder. Um, Obviously, his power, strength, speed is really agility, coordination. These are things that are more focused uh, around an athlete like him. And, and touching on that, you said you said some key words. First, you said holistic. Love the fact you said holistic.
1: Um, in terms of his approach, and you also mentioned visualization. Now, tell me more about that, especially coming off, not just a defeat against uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, Nor- Ner- but also the fact that he's been out for a while. How How is his mindset in terms of visualization?
2: Yeah, I think... I think uh, clearly from a, from a sports psychology perspective I mean coming off of, of such a major defeat will naturally uh, you know, have, have negative impacts, but top athletes in the world are, are trained um, to deal with these situations and, and learn from these situations and come back um, hopefully stronger. Uh, you learn from your you know mishaps as well as your gains so uh, I think I would imagine that he's going through some um, Major reassessments in terms of what went wrong in that particular fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and most importantly, as you age, as you get older, as time passes, uh, you, you have to just make sure that you're that you're staying at the top of your game. Uh, so from a visualization visualization perspective, it's getting over those psychological barriers that he may be suffering from immediately post that fight and looking forward in his mind and saying how he's gonna progress from this and come back winning.
1: And and it's it's interesting you mentioned that because with someone that's made that much money and performed at the highest level and taken the MMA world by storm at a point where he fought at different weight divisions from 170 to 150, Nate Diaz, Khabib Nurmagomedov, he fought everyone. Then he went and crossed over to the boxing world and did that in a sense where he had to then switch onto to boxing mode. Does he have to picture or visualise things differently when he moves over to a different sport? Or does he carry that same mindset approaching boxing, especially in an opponent like Floyd Mayweather?
2: Well, look, I I, I think it's it's obviously achieved um, remarkable achievements over the years. And, you know, it's a big risk in many ways, switching over to a sport that you're not necessarily... Uh, have been successful in in the past in isolation, such as boxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely, visualization as a principle. There are very similar components to that in terms of imagining. You know what you're doing the day before the fight. What you're doing when you wake up. What you're doing as you walk down that 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 alley. You know that that um, pathway onto the into the ring. These are all steps that you're psychologically in your mind visualizing in terms of what you want to happen. And it's even. Looking at things from perspective that you, you know you're going to win the fight, mm-hmm. so you're being positive about things before they've you know as you're going through them. Um, in terms of in terms of boxing, absolutely. I mean, the, the the mechanics involved in boxing, the the strategy involved in boxing, is specific to boxing. So he's he will have had to have gone through a, lot, a major overhaul in terms of his understanding on, on on how to fight in specifics to to boxing. Unfortunately, you know, against Mayweather, I think. I think the differences are there to be seen in terms of somebody who's a seasoned boxer versus somebody who's trying to do it over a shorter period of time. Yeah, and I and absolutely agree with that, and especially when fighting
1: someone who's undefeated and crossing over to their sport. I'm not quite sure, and, and let me know what you guys think out there. Text us on 4215, or if you're on Instagram Live, let me know if you think that had Floyd Mayweather crossed over to the MMA world, would he have had a different mindset? Would visualization have been a different component for him, seeing that he's never lost... Uh, a boxing match professionally now that's something interesting but coming up next on the Halftime Show we're going to cross over to a different sport a certain Wimbledon champion Novak Djokovic, who recently defeated Roger Federer in a 5 hour match stay tuned for more you don't want to miss it on Pulse 95
0: this is Pulse 95 you're listening to the Halftime Show podcast this is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri
1: Welcome back to the Halftime Show. It's great to have you guys on board live on Instagram or text us on 4215. You don't want to miss this show. Dr. Ramsey, Novak Djokovic.
2: Yeah,
1: tell me about He's just it. survived from a five-hour final after competing in the Wimbledon Championship against Roger Federer. Now, what I'm interested in is... How do you fuel for a five-hour match, knowing that you can't take a break, you can't come back tomorrow? Five hours of activity at that intensity, at the highest level. How does he fuel
2: for that? Absolutely. I mean, what a phenomenal result. What a phenomenal game. And, and, uh, you know, sometimes you can't plan for these things. I mean, but um, I think the the most important thing is these guys would have done preparation in, in, in advance of that. They will have to some degree... Have, we'll have a plan A, B, and C in place, depending on how the, the game and the duration goes. Um, but five hours at that point, Djokovic has ripped through a lot of his carbohydrates that are that are kind of in your liver and your muscle. Yeah, a typical male has around 1,800 calories worth of carbohydrate in your body. Yeah. Um, you will have used a substantial amount of that. And I think at that stage, that late stage of the game, it's really about mental resolve. Resolve mm-hmm. um, about physical economy so that you, you everything you do has purpose it's efficient as possible Yeah. but those mini breaks that you get in between uh, in between games and so on uh, you really are trying to fuel uh, with high glycemic or, or foods that can go into your bloodstream in terms of sugar mm-hmm. uh, as quickly as possible and what kind of fuel would that be
1: let's say between sets we, you know normally they have they have a little short break between the second set and the third set, for example, and they've been playing already. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the the match around one o'clock? It's around noon when they start. Yeah. So it's that the also heat. the yeah. conditions and the heat of that in the UK. I know we don't really have that kind of heat that we have here, but still with that in mind, how, how would they adapt to that and hydration levels?
2: And also when you mentioned carbohydrates and sugar, what would they do between sets? So two different things I would say. One, when you talk about sugar carbo- sugar being a, a simple carbohydrate, uh, you're talking about energy delivery. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about hydration, you're talking about fluid. So yeah. it could be water as a, as a primary source of, of, of fluid intake. So two separate things. In the UK, obviously, temperatures around 20 degrees or so, I think 18, 19, 20 degrees or so. So they're not too bad in terms of the thermal or heat strain that the bodies go through. And the key aspect of that is uh, of this is, is the energy delivery component. And when you hit that four or five hour mark of high intensity repeats, you're, you're kind of doing interval training mm-hmm. on a tennis court if you really think about it. Start, stop, start, stop, sprint, you know. Um, and so in that break, you're really looking at f- drinks potentially that have uh, higher concentrations of, of, of sugar within them. Often a mix of sugars, fructose, sucrose, lactose glucose depends on what you're what you're having, mm-hmm. and a lot of players will come with that pre-prepared in the first place. So they will have solutions uh, in their bags. You'll often see them drinking out of their own kind of bespoke solution. Yeah, they've got like
1: coloured drinks and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I mean they'll be yeah.
2: advised by a, by specialists within their technical team yeah. to say, look, this is the type of fluid you should be taking at this point, that point, that point, depending on what the situation is. So this will have all been pretty much. It'll be a plan A, B or C, depending on the durations, depending on the intensity of the game. If the player is also feeling, if it's a very technical game and it's and it's, and it's less endurance focused, and you don't necessarily have to worry so much about the energy delivery, but if it's a technical game and it's particularly endurance focused, so long rallies and so on, then, you know, you'll have a slightly different strategy in the sense that you, you do need to make sure that you're replenishing energy with energy.
1: And you said something key there, you said pre-planning. Now, obviously, they, they have specialists like yourself looking after and managing them pre, but let's say the night before, yeah. on their last meal, are they wary of what they can have? Now, we know there's certain things you definitely don't come near in terms of like fast food and fried foods and all that. <laughs> but what would be an ideal meal the night before a competition, let's say for a final?
2: It's a big question. Omar. I think there, there a balanced diet uh, is typically one that's that's typically followed. But if it's a sport that requires higher energy requirements, then, then carbohydrate, really is the primary fuel source it mm-hmm. is the fuel source that's going to keep you uh, kind of going but also be be able to feel the higher intensity bouts of, of your exercise uh, by the way fat isn't the enemy okay just to put it out there a lot of people criticize fat as being the enemy but if you, if you really think about it fat is actually um, got the, the most potential energy to actually give you. If you're stranded in the desert, mm-hmm. put it this way, with an unlimited supply of, of, yeah. of water, yeah. uh, it's not carbohydrates It's going to keep you alive for longest. It's going to be those fat stores in your body. Right. Now, I'm not saying go out there and pile on the fat, but yeah. I'm saying that that pre-event, you are... Give us an example of a, a
1: fatty meal that would be ideal to give you the energy to compete at an event. So I wouldn't necessarily
2: say you're having a fatty meal just beforehand, mm-hmm. but as, as a general note, I, yeah. would, I would say that, that having being fat adapted to be able to prioritize or utilize fat more effectively is not a bad thing. It's actually a positive thing. But pre-event in, in something like tennis, in a sport like tennis, you're looking at ensuring that you're what we call your endogenous carbohydrates. So making sure where you can store carbohydrate in your body, like liver, like, like your liver, like your muscles, that you are storing as much as you can in these these systems, in these organs basically. So that you can use them um, when you need it and you don't need to rely on consuming drinks as much. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah. So pastas, rice, there's, there's a whole range of, of foods that you'd be looking to have. Um, and this applies to not just tennis, it mean, applies to many sports that have a, uh, an energy delivery component that you may need. If and, if that makes sense.
1: And perfect, you summed that up perfectly because the next sport we're going to be focusing on and another sports legend will be basketball and LeBron James.
2: Yeah, he's, he's small
1: yes he is so coming up next we're going to be talking more about mindset sports science visualization and what it takes to be at the top of your game in your preferred sport stay tuned for more on Pulse 95
0: this is Pulse 95 you're listening to the Halftime Show podcast this is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri on oh, Pulse oh, oh. 95 95
1: welcome back to the halftime show if you have missed the show and you've got no excuse to miss the show then you can find us on Apple Podcast or on SoundCloud the halftime show with Omar Duri and today I have a special guest Dr. Ramsey Ross thank you for being part of the show today Dr. Ramsey it's been great so far alright on the third segment we're tackling a different sport now the sport is basketball now we have a lot of basketball fans out there and one of the basketball players on everyone's tongue is LeBron James he's never shy away from that what's different about LeBron James in his preparation
2: so I I think in basketball specifically it's a it's a it's a multifaceted game there's a lot of hand-eye coordination Mm -hmm. Uh, you know at the end of the day you're throwing the ball into the hoop Uh, so it's unbelievable when I watch the NBA games in terms of the 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 efficiency if you like the the consistency and how they're able to uh, put that ball into the net simple as that um, so I would say there's a lot of repetitive training when it comes to you know hand-eye coordination. Mm. It's just muscle memory, mind-eye-hand memory in terms of you know the pathways that your arm goes through, the release of the ball, the feel of the ball, the flight path of the ball going into the net. It's it's. A lot of again, we come back to visualization. A lot of these guys get taught to visualize the ball going into the net, yeah, uh, and and don't underestimate the power of that. I mean, right? It, it, uh, you know, but of course, basketball has endurance components to it. It's a repetitive sport, um, back and forth, up and down the court. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I think LeBron specifically, though, is 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 well, like many basketball basketballers, um, is their is their sheer height. I mean, these guys are massive, yeah, massive from a, players from a physiological point of view. They're they're the big guys and I think you you were asking me off 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 uh, offline here, but you know um, how do they feel? Does it differ? You know, because these guys are big. Do they, do they yeah, because courses? of
1: the height and because obviously the way that they they perform on the court. You know, they, they're huge, huge individuals and competing at that speed on that court. And you've mentioned hand to eye coordination and repetition. Now, with repetition, is that something that, for example, technology now has taken more of a play in sport? And let's say, for example, basketball in in how much technology is brought into them getting prepared cognitive and, and hand-to-eye and all that.
2: Yeah, there's lots of technology now coming out um, that focuses on kind of response times. You, uh, how, how well are you at predicting certain events that, that are happening? And I suppose that's the same with, with multiple sports, not not just basketball. Yeah. But if you can predict, um, there are technologies out there now that, that check your reaction times, that check your agility, that check your response times. Decision-making is a big thing. Um, so you can start doing that on and off the court in a sense on, on, on in, in, in basketball and and look a lot of guys yeah, look they're, they're big individuals a lot of these guys are 6 foot 6 you know plus yeah um doesn't necessarily mean that they're they've got you know huge metabolic rates. They're, yeah. They have to consume you know three times what you and me have to do. It doesn't necessarily. But that's the
1: stereotype, right? That's what people anticipate. They think that oh, because they're six foot six plus, mm. that maybe they will have to you know do more or eat more or or, or act differently. You know.
2: Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I mean, I think uh, I- I- in the end, if you, it all comes down to your composition. So if, if you've got more muscle, so if you're bigger generally. Then yeah theoretically you would assume that you are carrying more bone you're carrying more muscle you're let's say on average what would they be weighing for example oh these guys are all uh, i mean 100 100 plus kg usually i mean you're looking at guys 120 30 40 50 potentially some of these guys uh not all basketballers are are are, uh got you know single digit body fat percentages there's a few guys in there that are carrying a bit of weight Yeah, Uh, you know and that depends on what position they play as well yeah two degree yeah Yeah, i think you'll see bigger positional differences in other sports than you would see in basketball.
1: Such like, as like American football, yeah, baseball, yeah, those type of sports. Yeah, even
2: in the soccer and, and, and so on. You, Absolutely. You, they'll have more uh, distinct profiles, players within the same squad. Uh, in basketball, typically, you're like... You, you don't have to be tall, but, yeah. but I mean, it's an advantage to be tall. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh-huh. Steph
1: Curry isn't the tallest. Alan True. Iverson wasn't the tallest True. either and there's been a lot of talk about them. But one thing I want to touch up on before we move on to the next segment is that when you look at these basketball players and the technology and everything we've mentioned, is is it shifting more towards the technology, technology side than the old school kind of style of training?
2: I think a lot of people get lost with all the technology that's coming on board, not just in sport, but I think in, in general life. Um, and... I, Data, for example, data collection um, management is is a huge thing in sport right now and it's only going to get bigger. Uh, But we find that people are collecting a lot of information, whether it's Whether it's individual player focus, you know, now players wear GPS sensors on their actual bodies, they're like like mini cars, you know, driving around a court, for example, you know, to to picking up heart rate measurements remotely, to then looking at video footage of, of, you know, of of, uh, performance analysis, the performance analysis world. Uh, I think there's a lot of information that people are collecting, but I would say there's a lot of catch up still required in terms of how you convert that information into making real impact, uh, you know, at the bottom line. Dr. Ramsey, I could talk to you all day. This
1: is getting really interesting. But up next, we're diving into the football world with players such as Cristiano Ronaldo and Megan Rapinoe. Stay tuned on Pulse95 for much more with Dr. Ramsey coming up next.
0: This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Halftime Show podcast. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Omar Badouri on on, on, Pulse95.
1: Welcome back to the halftime show with Omar Dury and my special guest today, Dr. Ramsey Ross. Dr. Ramsey, we've talked about mixed martial arts, we've talked about basketball, we've talked about tennis, and it's only right that we mention football. <laughs>
2: I like the applause.
1: Thank you very much. <laughs> it is the sport that I love. It is the sport that I breathe. And I have a specialist here who's going to help me dive into that sport, which we all want to know about. Now, players such as Cristiano Ronaldo or recently even female players such as Megan Rapino, who just won the World Cup with the US for all the US fans out there, they have a different preparation in terms of how they condition themselves. Now, we spoke about high-intensity interval training earlier. We mentioned a little bit about um, the preparation, the repetition,
2: but what makes these athletes stand out? I think, looks, in, in, in I'm a football fan myself. Uh, soccer for the Americans Do out you there. you support a team? <laughs> no, no, let's take, that, let's take that offline. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> So yeah, look in soccer uh, again. It's it's uh, it's a fascinating sport from a scientific physiological perspective, um, strategic perspective, and in, in all aspects because you need to have big endurance engines there. You, these guys are I've got big engines. I mean we've worked work with footballers regularly and yeah. and they are extremely fit individuals again we're talking about position specific stuff depending on the position you're in uh, you, you'll have a, 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 a fitter individual than others so for example a defender typically is less fit than a, than a central midfielder right. who's running around covering bigger box distances essentially yeah. um, uh, then the conditioning side as well, so it's not just about making sure you're, you're, you're lean and mean and, and you've got a, a good strength endurance profile, but it's also about reducing injury risk. Uh, again, in, in, in like with many sports, um, you know, especially at that level if you're, if you're dropping names like Cristiano and so on, uh, these guys cost money and they don't cost a little bit of money, they cost a lot of money. So yeah. you want to keep these guys fit and, and, and playing um, every game possible. Um, so in terms of in terms of preparation, really, it's it's again uh, all those aspects we've already covered, but in addition, I would say that. Particularly right now, I mean, we, we, Cristiano is playing for Juventus. He's just come off the back of of, of, of uh, uh, um, he's going into pre season at yes. the moment. Yeah. He was in his nice luxury yacht, I think. In, yes. In off the coast of France or somewhere. That's right. Uh, you know, so at that you know at that stage, they're enjoying life. They're enjoying the break. Um, uh, but now's the time they start refocusing and saying, right, new season coming up. ahead. we've got pre season, pre season says a lot about an individual, mm-hmm. um, and I would go further to say that it's not talked about enough because it's n- not so much in the public eye. But I would say that a lot of guys are doing pre preseason. If that makes sense. Yes. So even though you, they don't uh, want to be caught out in
1: preseason by their coaches, their managers, their players, exactly. and be embarrassed. So exactly. Yeah. And
2: in fact, the UAE is a, is a hot spot as well. I mean, you, you, you'll, you'll see several big names from from big leagues across the world primarily the, the premiership I would say yeah. uh, in England and uh, coming out here for their pre-pre-season if you like whether right. it's individual-based training, coaching fitness sessions just to get to get back into into that season mode uh, a little bit earlier right. so that they're more fresh for that pre-season because pre-season is actually you know, a big phase as you say for selection and so on and you mentioned something I've got to touch up on this because Juventus have been
1: very well known for prolonging careers especially in italy now juventus for people that don't know out there have a university specifically for uh football and players who are aspiring to get into football but what i wanted to ask you is what is it that's different out there at juventus or italy precisely to be able to prolong careers past the stereotypical um, age of 30. Would normally we say when they get to the age of 30 in the football career, they're kind of dying down past their peak. But I've noticed a lot of players have gone out to Juventus and Italy and their careers have lasted an extra two, three years that they probably wouldn't have in in the other European leagues.
2: Like fantastic question, and I think if there was a if there was a solid answer for this, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I'd be a multi-billionaire ten times around, <laughs> you know, because at the end of the day, you want to keep these players playing. So reducing injury risk is a big factor of this, and and a lot of teams around the world do do focus on this. But contrary to what many people believe, you know, recovery post-training, for example, is as important as the training that you're doing. Uh, and, and people, it's human nature. Human nature typically is, you know, I have to go out, work hard, smash it, smash it, smash it, smash it, you're gonna get better and better and better. That's not the case. And if you keep going with that mentality, you're actually you're actually putting yourself at higher risk of injury. So I would say it's, it's more of a philosophy uh, that, that certain clubs, players employ that, that balance the training and recovery activity more effectively. If you look at individual careers, look at Frank Lambert. I've had the privilege of doing some work with him. Yeah. Uh, You know, phenomenal career, played in every major uh, competition. Uh, in in soccer and didn't miss much games
1: by the way either. He played consistently back to back games: Champions League, Premier League, Cup games, all in one
2: week. Uh, absolutely, yeah. and and if you look at, uh, you know, he was he stayed on the pitch. Now, um, again, that, I, knowing him personally, he, that's a that's a, and if he, there's, a, there's media available online in that uh, he he takes this very seriously in managing the recovery training stimulus personally. Yeah, I think that that's differentiated his career. Well, I mean, that's, that's amazing. It's that's fascinating news
1: to do. We're going to be presenting. Uh, we have sorry, Dr. Rams. you have come to the end of the full time on the Halftime Show already. I wish I could have you here most days. It's been very insightful. Coming up next, the Asar Adhan. Stay tuned for more on Pulse95. This
0: is Pulse95. You're listening to the Halftime Show podcast. This is the Halftime Show with Omar and on Pulse95.
1: And it has come to that time of the day again. Halftimers, it's full-time on the Halftime Show at Omar I want to thank Dr. Ramsey Ross for coming in today. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you Omar for having me. It's pleasure. been a pleasure having you here and having an insight on what these athletes do to gain advantage in their own sport. I've had a lot of fun, probably too much fun behind the scenes if you've been following me on Instagram Live or if you've been on Pulse95Radio.com or even listening on the radio. I hope you've enjoyed the show as much as I have. This could happen every day and this would be life. Thank you for tuning in to Pulse95 today. Stay tuned for more on Pulse95. All the best. Have a great day. Peace.
0: This is Pulse95. Tune in live every Monday, Wednesday and Saturday from 3 p.m.